You are listening to Propelling, a microdrones podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Propelling by Microdrones. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. All right, I want all of you to imagine your last apocalyptic sci-fi film. From one major city to the next, we don't really have the luxury of leveling those cities for the sake of cinematic art. So that's where 3D modeling comes in. It's not new technology. It's technology that's been perfected over the last several years. But it comes into use when we're recreating our most memorable cities to then watch them collapse, right? (laughs) So moving away from that bleak example, the technology and cameras powering that 3D modeling have continued to improve, like I said, over the last several years. And probably no industry has felt that increase of power more than the drone industry. Our cities are being 3D modeled now with drones for more than just film. We need models for infrastructure repair, smart city expansion, construction design, surveying, etc. The needs and applications are practically limitless. But here to help focus in the conversation to the use cases, trends, and technology that are most important is Irene Kwan, Southeast Asia Sales Manager for Micro Drones. Irene, great to have you on. How are you doing today? Hi, Daniel. Nice to know you. I'm quite good. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great to have you on, and I'm excited to unpack this idea of seeing 3D modeling expand and focusing that into the area that you serve. A lot of our episodes of Propelling are very focused on drone trends across the world. We've done Canada, we've done Europe, we've done the Middle East. And so I'm glad that we're getting some more international context, but this time focusing in on a very specific piece of tech that drones have seen a lot of use out of. So to start, I'd like to get a better sense for how 3D modeling has affected your region in particular. So tell me a bit about, you know, do you have any use cases? Do you have any research that shows how crucial 3D modeling has been to increases in urbanization, in smart city implementation, whatever it might be in your Southeast Asia region? Yeah, so nowadays it's actually with the uh, very rapid urban growth in uh, Southeast uh, Asian countries together with, uh, actually I am based in China, so also China. So there has been like an increasing requirements for this 3D modeling nowadays. And there are really uh, various application scenarios of this 3D modeling, which uh, with the help of the drone in many industries, such as like what you mentioned just now surveying and uh, mapping in the cities that we generate those high precision digital light graphic and also smart cities as you say which include the public security forestry management and also power line management and sometimes for the water conservancy projects and then also sometimes will be in the construction design that they use the 3D models work as the background map and then they do the design. And here we actually got the two pretty interesting cases. One is that we have customer in Yunnan province, China, and he's actually from the construction company. And he had construction project to build a very big amusement park with an area of up to 400,000 square meters. 
And then the customer asks to go there to fly and to see by generating the three D models to calculate, say, the materials that they use for building this amusement park and help them to differentiate the materials used and count the respective areas of these materials. So we actually fly our drone there and take photos and then generate the three D models to help this construction company to do the calculation. So this is one case, and also we got another pretty interesting case in Thailand. We actually have the Thai customer that use our MD four one thousand carrying the oblique camera to take pictures and then generate three D model of the Grand Palace that in Thailand. And then for this Grand Palace, it's extremely huge. It's complex of buildings that cover an area of more than two million square feet, and surrounded they got lots of halls, uh, big pavilions, and also gardens and courtyards and things like that. So imagine it's not so possible for the tourists to actually like visit every single building or every single lawns and gardens, and also if you want to have better view of the whole construction or the whole palace is not so possible. So what he did is to take pictures of the palace and then generate the three D model, and then he put the three D models in the VR glasses. And then tourists can, by using these VR glasses, they can have a better and a more clearer visualization of the whole palace. So these are the two cases that actually happened with this 3D modeling technology nowadays. Actually, there are many applications, and I would like to say explain a little bit more of this. So we actually got one main application here in Southeast Asian countries, and together in China, it's for the urban planning and construction. So, like traditionally, for this urban planning, it's actually carried out in the two dimensions. So mostly they have the experts there, and then they do the planning and in the two dimensions, and then based on their experience and also feelings. But then there is the problem as we don't actually know how accurate it is. So it is very important that the suitability of the design plan is accurately evaluated. And then the best way is we can establish somehow simulation environments. Then where the urban information and planning information can be infused by using these technologies, and then they can actually place the design plan in the virtual urban environments that established for evaluation to achieve the best accuracy. And then this, with the use of this three D models, then they can actually display then what kind of urban construction ah、uh, will be needed, and then how it will look like after I put this construction, and after I put this building, and after I set up the traffic like that. So this is for the urban planning and construction, and then another main application will be for the emergencies. So just in case some emergency cases, then it's very important for the transportation management agencies to know 
or to have three D model or three D graphics of the road, of the railways, and also of the bridges, overpasses, tunnels, subways, etc., so that they can actually have more detail or direct or clearer understanding of the transportation arrangement. Just in case they have to like somehow try to arrange people how to like have.、Uh, More direct understanding of the transportation arrangement, and then they know what to do, and they know how to say guide people in that area to move to a safer place. And then also the three D modeling of the buildings in case of a fire. So we can actually take photos of the buildings. Including the entrance and exit of the building, and the windows, the roof plan, and things like that, in case of a fire, and then we can actually help to move people to a safer place. And then also another application will be in case of landslides. Then actually we can send our drone there, take photos, and then we build the three D models of the mountains, including the mountain roads and mountain pins. I'm glad you brought up the idea of emergencies because the region you specifically serve, Southeast Asia, is one of the ones that I think is most crippled often by natural disasters. I mean,、yeah. just think of the the super typhoons that hit that area, as well as just quick onset cyclones, earthquakes,、um, and a lot of that hurts the rural and agricultural sectors, but also those growing cities, which. You know, like you said, we're seeing a lot of urbanization in those areas. So some of those cities might not be used to having an uber modern city that's also needing to react to some of these large scale natural disasters. So、yeah. you're saying that having a 3D model of that city could assist with evacuations and could assist with infrastructure. Fixings and、yeah. rebuildings in in those kind of senses. If there is a natural disaster, yes, exactly. And then also with this technology nowadays, it's really helping the government agencies to do better work because previously they how they make these 3D models before they have some people to draw the model instead of generating by a computer. In the previous cases, that they are using the、uh, traditional way of. Like manual drawing of these models, and then whenever we talk about the models for large area, then it's simply not possible because imagine how much drawing work it, it will require. So、uh, right now, with the drone actually sending to the right place to take pictures, and then with the support of the software, we can actually generate the three D models in a very effective way, and this will be more efficient, and then also time can be saved and money can be reduced. And also because with the traditional way of、uh, modeling, then you can imagine that will not. Look really nice or realistic, but then with the actual pictures that shoot by our drones to generate the models, actually we can reconstruct the original surface or landscape of the city in a more authentic sense. Especially when it comes to like to show the vegetation and then the very complex terrain, that's definitely the best way instead of like having manual drawing. 
Right, exactly. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. We're going to unpack this idea of replacing manual modeling because we're going to finish off this podcast by asking that question of do you see oblique photogrammetry completely replacing traditional manual modeling for these kinds of projects? Before we get into that, I want to unpack more the technology that's powering this this rise of 3D modeling, or maybe this expansion is a better way to put it. So what has changed about the cameras that are powering that modeling and how are you seeing them being integrated into drones in a lightweight fashion right that is still maintaining the quality and isn't sacrificing quality yeah so for the oblique camera that we use on our current md4 1000 is actually consisted of five lenses and it has 120 megapixels in total and then there are actually two types of public cameras nowadays. Uh, one is with two lenses, but uh, we are using the one with five lenses. And these five lenses will actually take photos from five different angles. And then the weight of the whole setup is just 850 grams, which is pretty light nowadays, considering it consists of five lenses. And then in our actual operation, we have to keep a balance between the image resolution and also, like you said, flight efficiency. So we have to set appropriate flying height depend on the surroundings of this flight area. So for example, if I want to cover more area, then I have to fly higher. And then we have also need to set the flying speed accordingly, neither too fast, so that we can actually ensure the photo overlap rate. And no too slow, because that will somehow we have to compromise our flight efficiency. For example, to be more specific, when we operate in the cities, we will normally set our flight height to 150 meters, and the speed to be no more than six meters per second so that we can ensure our efficiency together with the image resolution. And then with this five lenses oblique camera for our 1000, the flight time is still about 30 minutes that we can achieve. But of course, that depends on the environment and also the battery performance, but which I think is quite sufficient. And then uh, with the data collected by the drone, we will then put it in a specific software. We call it Skyscanner for pre-process. And then after that, the model will be generated by different kind of modeling software, such as Contest Capture, Pix4D, etc. So, so a very interesting application is nowadays, China, we actually have a very successful science fiction film since January. So for that science fiction film, it's just many other science fiction ones. There are scenes after scenes of these uh, disasters, which are impossible to shoot in the real life. So terms of computer graphic work are required. And then for such computer graphic work, it's actually based on 3D models. So how we do this for supporting the building of this disaster scenes is that uh, we send our drone to the place where they have this field shooting. For example, there is a scene of the disaster in the downtown area of Shanghai. So actually the drone will be sent there 
to take pictures of the buildings in that specific area, and then we generate the three D model of that area while the software. I mentioned earlier, and then with this three D models, they put it into the computer graphic work, and then where they can actually simulate these scenes, and then this is a very interesting application that we recently do. And I love that this technology, like you're saying, is more than. Just a very serious application.、Uh, I mean, not that film isn't serious, but but the fact that three D modeling can be used、um, with drones in both a very creative sense and also a very practical city building or city maintenance sense is pretty exciting for this tech, and must be exciting for a company like Micro Drones that supplies this kind of technology because it just means that. The markets you can serve and the markets you can sell to are pretty limitless. Yeah, exactly. And also, like for us, this is pretty interesting. I mean,、uh, what I mentioned just now to help with the film shooting that is really very creative and very exciting and a new application for us as well. So sometimes you will have customers、uh, come to you with、uh, like very creative or new idea of. Actually, your drone application, and we are happy to hear that. So, Irene, to kind of start wrapping the conversation up,、um, as we look more towards the future of three D modeling and its use with drones,、um, how do you see this new ease of acquiring and flipping data from three D models affect the turnaround time on some of these projects, either the creative ones? Or the more practical ones、uh, for city infrastructure, urban design, etc. Do you see a changing culture around some of the larger projects, and really more of an expected sense of accuracy and speed that wasn't there before? Yeah, I will see both、uh, for the、uh, creative part and also practical part. As I said, for this three D modeling with the photos taken by our drone together with the optic camera, can really save a lot of time and cost compared to the traditional way of modeling, which you have to have someone draw the models, and also it is not possible if you are talking about the three D models that require for. The urban plan or a smart city, then it's a very large area which cannot be done manually. So you can just simply fly the drone there, take photos, and collect these images, and then throw it into the computer, and then you will have the three D models with proper software. And you mentioned it earlier that oblique photogrammetry. Is probably going to replace traditional manual modeling, or at least you're seeing it be more useful. So, to really put this on a a future vision note, do you see oblique photogrammetry, especially used on drones, completely replacing traditional manual modeling for these kinds of projects? Why or why not? I think so because with the growth in the urban cities here, and they will require more constructions, and also they will like to have a better plan、uh, for this、uh, infrastructure and also constructions, and then they will need to know what exactly this city look like nowadays, and then by putting this infrastructure and also this. 
construction what it will look like. So to do this, we have to have the 3D models so that uh, we can actually have a better view or how it will look like, or at least we can try to like simulate. And then that's why I will see that there will be greater demand for oblique cameras to take pictures and then we generate the 3D models because this is not possible to be done manually in future because you will have more demands and you will like to have the models for larger places then you can't expect someone to just draw and then you can cover a very big area. Right, exactly. I mean, I would tend to agree. I think even if there is something artistic to be said for the traditional manual way of modeling and that, you know, you, you get to have a maybe a more hands-on approach to creating those models, that doesn't mean that just because we're going more towards the, the 3D modeling side of it and that it's, it's a little more automated and the data is more accurate, that you still can't have a creative hand in crafting it. So I think we're going to see traditional manual modeling probably disappear for the most part because it's just hard to pass up on not only the speed, but the accuracy of 3D modeling. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. uh, with manual drawing, it can be realistic because it's at the end of the day, it's drawing. Then right. it cannot be compared with the actual pictures taken by the drone. Right, exactly. Well, Irene, I'd really like to thank you for joining us on Propelling today and giving us your insight on the future of 3D modeling uh, with some specifics on 3D modeling in the Southeast Asian region. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how 3D modeling continues to affect that region, especially as it continues to urbanize and we see some of those cultural centers become really modern and begin to embrace smart cities, which is really something that's affecting every major city today. So it's it's an exciting future, especially being in the drone industry, and we'll definitely bring you back on as things continue to progress and we start seeing more larger-scale smart city applications. I think we can do a whole podcast just on 3D modeling for smart cities. It'll be a great one, but till then, Irene, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I had a pleasant talk with you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of Propelling. If you like what you heard and would want to listen to previous episodes, you can head to microdrones.com slash blog, or you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time. Propelling, a microdrones podcast.